covering the Detroit Red Wings for The Athletic. Our good friend, Max Boltman. Find him on Twitter at M underscore Boltman. And Max must love me because he is already boots on the ground in Nashville getting ready for the NHL draft just about 48 hours away. Max, my friend, how are you? How's life? How are things, partner? I'm doing great, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Sorry if there's some background noise. Nashville is, uh, is buzzing, as you would expect. I mean, I, I can't imagine that you would be doing this, but, it, you know, it seems like all the bachelorette parties, everybody goes to Nashville all the time, right? I mean, it's like Bachelorette City USA. You know, they throw on a little Shania Twain, the like, let's go, girls. The bah, bah, da, da, da. Did you do that before you went to Nashville or no? Uh, no, but I've only been here four hours, so the trip is young. There's still time. There's still time. There you go. All right, Max, I want to talk first about the change that was made in Grand Rapids. They got my guy, Dan Watson, from the Toledo Walleye, the ECHL affiliate of the Detroit Red Wings. He finally gets his opportunity, gets hired uh, by Grand Rapids to be the next head coach uh, of the Griffins. Just, I, I couldn't be more excited for his opportunity and, and the task at hand for him. What would you say would, uh, would be the state of things in Grand Rapids and for this franchise at the minor league level? Yeah, I mean, certainly they've had some, some big prospects in the last couple of years, but I, I would say the most important objective is that team needs to start getting back to the playoffs, right? And I think that's a big part of the way the Red Wings want their developmental system to work is for their guys at the AHL and ECHL, level, ECHL levels to be playing really meaningful games late in the season. Toledo has accomplished that under Dan Watson. Grand Rapids the last couple of years hasn't been able to for a multiple of reasons. I, I think they go well beyond you know, the, the, the bench there. I think the roster has needed to be a lot better. I think especially the crease has needed more than, than it's had the last couple of years. But nonetheless, you know, all these things are going to work together, I think. Um, and, and that is the clear objective, number one. That team needs to be back in the playoffs. And I'm, I'm just, I mean, my fingers are, fingers are crossed that it, that it works out really well for Dan because he's just one of those, he's just one of those guys, man. He's just such a, it's such a nice guy and very happy for he, uh, and his entire family. Now we're getting ready for the draft. This is like prospect heaven right here. Max, is there anyone that the Red Wings could select if they stay at number nine that could come in and make an immediate impact right away? Or is that just like the top tier of the draft that is picks like one through four, maybe? Yeah, no, there's nobody at nine who, who you would expect to come in right away. You know, it's really it's, it's really one, maybe two you expect to, to do that in a class and maybe a couple sneak into the lineup at the end of the year, maybe after a season in college or, or in Europe or something. But, um, no, whoever they pick it at nine, the, the expectation should be at least one more likely two years away from, from helping the NHL club. Do you think that with the, the current needs of the roster, what do you think is most important? Do you think it's like the skill, the scoring up front, you know, add another uh, forward that you could potentially, you know, grow into somebody that, I mean, let's face it, we need some 30 goal scorers uh, on this team. Or, you know, are there, are there some defensive prospects here at the top of the draft that might be too good to pass up on? It's both. I mean, when, when you're talking about the draft for the NHL, it, it's so different from the NFL because because of what we just talked about. They're not going to step in right away. You don't know what your roster is going to look like necessarily by the time that they're ready. So it, it, they're, they have needs. Certainly they could use another scorer in the system, some high-end skill. I think they need a right-shot defenseman. They need both of those things. But um, it, it's not so much dictated by, by what they have now. It's just what's in the pipeline. And, I, you know, I think both of those are, are very pressing needs. 
So which one do you lean more towards then? I mean, if, if you need both and you're trying to figure this out, because you do have another first rounder in the top 20 there at pick 17, which way do yeah. you lean with that early pick? Whoever the best player that they feel. I mean, it's the cliche, but you know, there's a guy, Tom Willander, for example, who I think should be there at nine. And if they were to pick him, they'd be getting a, a mobile defenseman with some size, good in transition, good at defending transition. I think he would be worthwhile of the pick at nine. But there's also going to be some centers and some scorers at nine who I think have every bit an argument as the, the best player available. And that's probably um, where I would go as a forward at nine. But I, I don't think you'd go wrong if you pick the D as long as you, know, you feel that he's of, of that caliber. So when we talk about the draft and how much different it is, more comparable to like MLB's draft, right? You draft a guy, he plays somewhere else, and it takes some time to get him up through the system to get him at the big league level, if you will. This is interesting because the drafted free agency kind of going hand in hand. See, the the fire department already knows that things are heating up in Detroit because it's draft season. They're already en route to come get me because I'm too hot right now. But which way do we, which way do we go in free agency? The rumors about Alex DeBrinkett. Am I am I getting too? excited about that or should it be like hey no we need to be we should be excited about that because that guy could come in and change you know some things immediately well let's see if it happens first but if, if it were to happen i think it would be something that's very worth getting excited about there's just not that many players in the nhl who can score 40 goals for you alex brink has done that twice now that would not be a free agent signing right that's a trade situation you would have to give something up and it might be something significant so that always affects you know the way you view something like that but um, I think certainly that would be something to be excited about. The Red Wings don't have anybody who can put the puck in the net quite the way Alex Brinka can. Yeah, and I'm, uh, you know, I, I, he could have a salary that's going to be, you know, around eight million dollars, and maybe, maybe a little bit more. Would he be the guy from a trade target perspective? You know, guys that they're looking at that, you know, there might be some movement. Would he be like at the top of your list for this team? Actually, yes, I, I published that list uh, this morning. So he, he was at number one. Him and Travis Konechny were one and two on that list. But, I, yeah, I think to bring it because he, he's just such a rare level scorer, um, that's exactly what they're missing, and, and he would be my number one target if I were them. And if you want to read more, ranking the uh, top Red Wings trade and free agent targets via the Athletics, swipe up and subscribe and do all of that good stuff and find Max's work there. Hey, it's old school uh, sports journalism the way that uh, you know and you love it. Okay, so... As this team is trying to prepare for the draft and trying to handle trades and trying to handle free agency, it seems like the craziest time of year in the NHL calendar because everything's kind of happening at once. And then the same thing's happening over on the NBA side of things, right? Draft, free agency, boom, summer league. Everything always happens like in the blink of an eye, and it feels like it's all happening within one week. So when we try to prioritize uh, from a fan's perspective, yeah, I want to be excited about the draft. And I know that we can't get any luck with a ping pong ball to save our lives here in the city of Detroit, and that's fine, whatever. I'm sure whoever we select at nine, we'll, we'll wait and see what kind of happens there. But when we look at trade targets and free agent targets for this team, you know, we talked about kind of what the needs might be for the draft. I mean, the needs are the needs. So if you can go address that via trade or free agency, who might be on this Red Wings roster today that you could see as a pivotal piece in dealing to get a bigger return? I think more likely in that situation, you're talking about futures, but I think, you know, especially when you talk about someone like DeBrinket, you know, Ottawa could use now talent in return. They're in the same spot the Red Wings are. They're trying to make a push. So would it shock me to see someone like Jonathan Bergeron or maybe even Philip Zadina involved in something like that? That wouldn't shock me. But I think in general, when you're talking about what teams who are moving proven scores are looking for, it tends to be more futures. And, and obviously the Red Wings are deep in futures. 
We love that. Got to stack the war chest, as they say. What does the what does the draft day like? What will that look like for you from your perspective? Like, what's your schedule like on that day? Uh. Nothing crazy. It's 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 a little bit just react, right? Last year, I don't, I don't remember which day, whether it was the first or second. I think it was the second day they traded for Billy Huso. So you just kind of got to be aware that anything like that can happen. But, you know, in general, you're just kind of trying to talk to people as much as you can through the day and, and then make the clock tick faster to, to get to the draft floor. And then when you do get to the draft floor, I mean, it's just got to be like, like the work that goes into it so that you know who all of these different prospects are, because I feel like it's a lot like baseball. There's a million guys. It's a global game. There's a lot of rounds. Like it, it, it feels like it would be so hard to be able to get that intel that you need. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, video associated with that, but mostly it's just me bugging my coworkers, Corey Proman and Scott Wheeler as much as possible to, to make sure I know what's what about this class. See, that's great. You got to be able to lean on, lean on those, uh, lean on those coworkers. If, uh, if there was a, a dream scenario, right? It, do you think that there's any way, you know, Steve might be able to package nine and 17 together to move up? Is there, you know, do you think anybody would even bite on that? Or do you think that they'll move around at all with these two picks? Well, you can't, you can't really move up from nine usually. Typically, I think it's been 15 years since the last time there was a team that was willing to trade down within the top ten. So uh, I would have a really hard time seeing that. Um, maybe you could move up from 17, though. Maybe, I look at like Pittsburgh as a team at 14. They, they've traded away a lot of pick capital the last couple of years. If there's somebody that the Red Wings like and maybe considered at nine and they don't think he's going to make it all the way to them at, at 17, maybe that's a spot you could try to jump up. But um, typically, the, the higher you go in the draft, the less and less likely it gets. I could see it at 17. I'd be really shocked to see it at 9. Okay, all right. So Stevie Y might be able to, uh, might be able to deal. Is he as... What's the right word I want to use here? Because every time Steve Eiserman like picks up a phone, Detroit fans immediately think that like we're fleecing somebody, right? Like, oh, we're getting the best of this yeah. deal. You know what I mean? Is that kind of the way that everybody else around the league feels about Steve Eiserman when the phone rings? Are they like looking over their shoulder, like just wondering, like, what is he really? What's he really up to? Or is that just more of like fan sensationalism because it is the captain, he is our GM. It's a dream scenario. We're all dying that this thing works out and works in a way that. That, you know, can make the hero kind of return home and rebuild and take the, the franchise to the next level. Yeah, I think that's more fan-driven, to be honest. I think, uh, you know, the fans have, have, kind of do have this grand idea about the, the quote-unquote Iser plan, right? And to some degree, there's something to that, right? He, there is a long-term vision in place that has always been very clear. You've never been able to question the Red Wings' direction so far under him. But uh, I do think fans like to, like to take it a step further and add a little bit of personality to that with the the quote-unquote fleecings, you know, it's, uh, you know, that's, part of that kind of comes with sort of the legend of it, right? But, uh, hey, that, that's kind of what makes the sport fun, and, and if fans aren't invested, n- none of us have jobs, right? So, Amen. Yeah, we need them all. Be as sensational and as fanatical and as irrational as you want. Send us all your trade proposals. We love that stuff. Are you kidding me? When you were watching the Stanley Cup playoffs this year, Detroit, obviously the the weekend in Ottawa, and then the wheels kind of fell off, and it just things just were not great, right? So they finished 35, 37, and 10 for 80 points. You know, they had a 12-point lead on Montreal that was an absolute mess. They're behind the standings in Ottawa, behind Buffalo, but then there's Florida, and Florida's kind of interesting because only 12 points better and it kind of felt like that could have been Detroit sneaking up there and you see the success that they had when you were watching the Stanley Cup playoffs Matt 
Or do you, Max? Do you believe that this is a a team that is at all close, or was Florida? They were just having a magical run, and it is what it is. They got a little lucky. Puck luck never hurt anybody, especially in the playoffs. Or did you feel like there was just such a gap between what you were watching in the playoffs versus what you saw through for the Wings in the regular season? Yeah, I think there's still a pretty clear gap between where the Red Wings are and what what playoff hockey looks like. You know, people talk about Florida, and I, I realize they're the eighth seed. That team won the President's Trophy last season, right? And so they, they make a couple of subtractions. I get it. They trade Huberto and Uyghur, but that's for Matthew Kachuk, who, who's the MVP finalist and, and obviously showed in those playoffs exactly why they made that deal. So I, I get that people want to take some hope from, from an eighth seed making a run like that, but Florida is not, not your everyday eighth seed. You know, that, that's probably one of the top eight to ten teams in the league, uh, and, and I, I don't think anyone should be surprised they made a run. Max, um, your I, I know that you had already mentioned a little bit, you know, from this draft that, like Tom, I think you said his name is Willander. Is that how you say it? The 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 Sweden junior. If you know, I've seen a guy by the name of Gabriel Perot who's been, you know, he's been kind of mocked there to the to the wings at nine. You know, it, a couple of names for our listeners where they try to flip on the NHL draft and they're and they're interested. Who would be a couple of guys at that nine spot, regardless of position, you could see falling to the wings? Yeah, well, so I mentioned Tom Willander. I think you'd have to talk about probably Nate Danielson, uh, center from the Brandon Weeking. So I think we'll go early if Dalibor Dvorsky. Uh, Slovak playing in Sweden were to get to them. I think that'd be a great outcome for them. Super skilled player, uh, has a little bit of, of that uh, Iserman, you know, hockey sense to him that, that I think you kind of look for. Um, so those would be a few names. And I mentioned Tom Melander earlier. That wouldn't surprise me. So uh, those would be a few. Um, Samuel Hans, like another guy to watch, although I think that's probably maybe more for the second first rounder than the first. But he's a guy who, who's talked about how great he felt his interview with the Red Wings went. So that one wouldn't surprise me. He is Max Bowman. You can find him on Twitter at M underscore Bowman. He's live right now in Nashville. He's working the streets. I hope you at least have, make a little bit of time for yourself, man, to have some fun. And can't thank you enough for being willing to take the time with us on a travel day to hang out and talk a little puck, my friend. Hey, my pleasure. I just walked past the building with the iHeart logo on it, so I'm going to walk in and tell him to give you a raise. <laughs> my man, I appreciate you, Max. All right, there take we- care.